almost like a wellspring of love and affection uh, towards this local church here in Prineville. And, uh, you know, I just came over the mountain from Calvary Chapel of Corvallis, and it's kind of like, you know, a, a family reunion every time you go over there. But um, such a blessing for me, like, ever since I've moved over here, actually, like, this is like my family over here. And, um, you know, it's, it's never like, oh, I just want to stay in Corvallis. Like, man, I can't wait to get back uh, to Prineville and, you know, sweet to take you know, uh, the Martinez's and the Mapes over with me and introducing just a, a part of our Prineville body to, uh, you know, my more extended family out there. This is the, the more immediate family, if you, if you catch that picture. But, um, you know, and then just some, some memories of, you know, the year that uh, Lindsay and I were just praying about going out and starting a church. And even before we'd considered going to Wyoming, we had uh, dropped our kids off in Gilchrist with Lindsay's folks and then drove up Highway 97 to pray about planting a church in Pullman, Washington, home of the Cougars, Wazoo, you know. And, uh, you know, as we were driving through Redmond, I didn't have a lot of history in Redmond or really know Redmond much, but just driving up through and up along Smith Rock and just being like, man, why can't the Lord call us to this area? And yeah, that'll never happen, you know. And, uh, and then immediately hearing a no from the Lord in Pullman and, uh, and then to just be like, wow, the Lord did call us here to serve alongside uh, this body that's already here. But, and then to have come here and to have such a healthy church already established, a group of people that love Jesus with all their heart. You know, that's incredible. Can you, can you ask for anything better? I mean, like, no. Um, and a group of people that have a, a strong love for people. And just thinking of that, even this morning, I uh, woke up at five o'clock and the Lord just gave me a picture of uh, the inside of a gold mine and, you know, up against the, the rock there's these two uh, threads of gold just showing forth out of the rock. And I felt like the Lord just said, and, and this is pre-Rory coming to Prineville, um, that he had had these two threads of gold um, running through Prineville. And one of those threads, I don't know mining or language, but thread, you guys are following me, right? Okay. <laughs> uh and one of those threads is just our love, your love for God. And one of those threads is your love for people. And I've just felt like the Lord was just saying, man, there were these strong threads. And just as the years go by, we're gonna be just scraping and digging and sweeping on the, the edges of those gold threads. And as we just, as time goes by, those threads are gonna get bigger and deeper and bigger and deeper until we hit the mother load. You know, and one day we're going to hit that mother load when we see Jesus face to face. But what a word, though, for our church. You know, those two things that John says are the most important. Those two things that Jesus says are the greatest commandments. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So, you know, also just thinking about the elders that are here in this church and um, having come from Corvallis where there were 25 elders 
And um, that's a big number, <laughs> and that makes for long meetings, And uh, <laughs> but great. Um, but then to come to Prineville and to see the caliber of elders that you guys had, um, it's a high caliber, and I would say it's a cut above what many churches have. You know, for me as a person, always having been challenged by our elders uh, to not settle for just getting by in the ministry, not settle for just everything's okay. So let's just kind of stay in this happy medium, you know, but to always excel, always go higher up, always go further in and, you know, not to puff, not, whoa, Sam, not to puff Ryan up, uh, but to just know that that is, that's part of the discipleship that Ryan uh poured into uh, these guys and even the elders that, you know, are no longer elders uh, for various reasons, just always go higher up, always go further in. And so just deep love boiling over in my heart for this church, only having been here for less than a third of its history, but looking forward to those veins of gold, just being more and more exposed over the years, over time till we hit that mother load. So Looking forward uh, to tonight hearing from Ryan, the history of the church and some things that some of you don't know. Raise your hand, those of you that were here uh, while Ryan was here. That is a, wow, that is awesome. So uh, some of this is gonna be new to some of you, but most of you, it'll just be, uh, it'll be like going through a scrapbook, huh? And, uh, and then tomorrow, Ryan will be preaching. So we look forward to that as well. So come on up, Ryan. Let's give him a welcome if you haven't done that yet. Well, it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, thanks for having me and wanting to uh, celebrate the history of the church. I think that's just awesome. Uh, for those of you that I don't know, um, I want to just introduce myself. My name's Ryan, and it's great to be here uh, with you. And uh, for those of you that I do know, love you guys. It's really awesome to see you guys and just so many memories and so many uh, great experiences that we had uh, together and just so excited for what God's doing here and got, got a chance to hang out with Chad and Kevin last night and just hearing uh, and seeing the, the growth in those men and seeing what God's doing. I'm just really, really uh, excited for that. So um, I wanted to just talk about kind of how we ended up here and maybe some of the highlights of my time here and then kind of how the Lord led us on uh, to, to Fort Collins. So I, um, and I don't necessarily want to make this about me, but it, you know, some of it is a little bit about me. So is that okay? Okay. This, you guys are, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like maybe everybody's a little distracted. Do we do we just need some time to just, just what's that? We need babysitters. Balloons? You want to pop the balloons? Let's do it. The the cops. That's distracting me right now. These, I'm not used to the lights. We don't have anything remotely like this where we're at anymore. So I'm feeling in the in. I had this pulpit made, actually, by a friend of mine and sisters, 
and I don't know why it's so big. I'm not, <laughs> like this wasn't made for anybody but me. I had this built and I feel ridiculously small behind it. So it's like, what was I, what was I thinking? It should have been like down here. So I, uh, I came to, to Christ when I was 15 years old and um, our family was uh, far from Christian. We had no Christian roots and certainly no pastoring in our family at all. And when I came uh, to know Jesus at a young age, almost immediately I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor. And it was this really weird thing because A, I didn't know the Bible at all. Uh, B, uh, not even the stories, you know, I didn't know them at all. And B, I didn't even know what it meant to be a pastor, but I figured, hey, it looks kind of easy. Like my youth pastor who led me to Christ and discipled me, I figured I could do what he does. Like he just plays games and shoots hoops with kids. And that, that would be really a great job. So went through high school, started teaching some Bible studies. My mom actually said that she would put her ear up to the door of the room where I was teaching because it was in our basement. We had these youth come to our house. And I remember one time afterwards, she's like, Ryan, you're, you're kind of boring. Like these, I think these kids are bored out of their minds. So that was the encouragement I got to sort of launch me into a life of preaching. Um, and went to Bible college right out of high school and sat, I took a course on church planning and really quickly figured out that like, I wasn't going to be a very good youth pastor. Like I, I started working with some youth in the town where the college was and realized I didn't want to do that. Like saw my personality. So I decided I'm going to pursue church planning. I don't even know what that is, what that means, but that sounds cool. So graduate from Bible college and spent, uh, Andrew and I got married, 1997. Uh, we spent a year working at a church up in Washington. And then we came down to central Oregon where Andrew is from. Uh, and we started, uh, helping Calvary Chapel Redmond and served there for four years. And um, had absolutely no intention of staying here and planting a church. We're like, we're going to go to a, a big city. And I don't know, remember why, but Kansas City was on our radar. That's where we were going to go. And we actually bought tickets. This was 2001. Bought tickets. And Andrea was a little bit sort of hesitant, like, don't know anything about Kansas City. And I remember calling a pastor out there and I was like looking for confirmation, like encouragement. I called a guy and he's like, you don't want to come here. It's hot. It's humid. The bugs are bigger than your head. And I've been here for 10 years and we got 30 people. And I'm like, okay, maybe I don't want to go to Kansas City, right? But still kind of feeling that draw. And um, we were... It was after a service, um, probably spring of 2001, <clears throat> after a service at Calvary Chapel, Redmond, and I was sort of wrestling because my in-laws were really putting pressure on us. They're over here. 
they were really putting pressure on us to stay in Central Oregon. Um, and at that time, there were um, Cal- there was a, a Calvary Chapel in Bend, and so didn't really feel like we were going to go to Bend. And of course, there was something happening in Redmond, and and so they were saying, "Why don't you do something in Prineville?" And I'm like, "I don't really even know Prineville. I just like fished at Ochico Reservoir a couple times, but." I don't really know. It's kind of small. I'm not sure if that's really where I want to, would want to go. So kind of wrestling with these sort of options. And uh, I was praying and the Lord really doesn't speak to me like this very often. But uh, praying by the door of the church, talking to people as they're come, you know, leaving the service. And I said, Lord, if you want us to go to Prineville, then you have one of these families that lives in Prineville ask me directly. And there were like three couples at the time that were driving from Prineville out to Redmond. So do you have them ask me directly? And if if that happens, then, then maybe I'll kind of consider it, right? <laughs> so I'm figuring that's never gonna happen. So I'm sort of safe. And literally, like, as soon as those words kind of entered my mind as a prayer, this lady who I'd never spoken with before, like, is on a beeline for me at the door, right? And uh, I'm not sure if they still live here or not. Their names were uh, Pat and Ed Abernathy. And Pat uh, approaches me, and she's like, you know... I don't know that we've ever spoken before, but I really have enjoyed when you preach. And I think you should come and start a Bible study in our house. And who knows, maybe it'll turn into a church. And I was like, okay, um, that's really, really weird because God never answers my prayers like that, you know? And so Andrea was in the nursery and I went in there and I said, you're not going to believe this. Told her the story. She's like, well, that's, that's it. We're supposed to go to Prineville. I'm, I'm like, I'm not convinced. Maybe, maybe we need a little bit more confirmation, you know? And so we went out and we met with them and we started kind of formulating a little bit of a plan of what we might do. Well, we started meeting in their house on, uh, Thursday nights. So I was still uh, assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Redmond and their house is actually, it was just like right over there on Belknap. And it was like, they, they were fairly, they, like at that time I'm 25 years old. My wife is 23, 24 maybe. And we've got like three couples that are quite a bit older than us, right? Like one couple's like, could be our grandparents. There's this single lady. And then this other couple that um, was, was quite a bit older than us. And so I start teaching this Bible study and even here, you know, I'm 25 years old. I'm, I'm a Bible scholar, right? So I'm gonna show these people the depths of revelation because it was just after 9-11. So I figure, you know, they, they need to know my wisdom around the end times. Um, I'm glad those 
Bible studies weren't recorded because that it just would be really frightening probably to hear those. But uh, and none of you were there, so um, we we met with them in their home for like three months, and this couple that invited me into their home was they were so thrilled with it that they kicked us out. So basically, they said. This is, uh, none of you are laughing. This is funny. It's okay. At the time, it wasn't that funny, but they, they were like, you know, we're just not jiving with your vision and with uh, what's going on. So we think you should just leave. Uh, we, we don't want you to, to do this study. And I'm like thinking, you invited me, right? Like, we've only been doing this three months. This is crazy. So I'm thinking, hey, it's not working out. We've got three couples. One of them is not, not even interested anymore. This one other lady's moving. We're, we're done. We're, we're going to go pursue something else. So there was the one couple, actually, Dave and Laura Gagermeyer. Um, many of you know them. Dave says, uh, I, I told him, I said, hey, man, you guys are part of Calvary Chapel Redmond. It's not a big deal for you to drive. I'm just going to bag this. What do you think? He, and this is really surprising to me because thinking back, I can't really picture Dave being sort of this assertive. It was just sort of funny. He's like, you know, Ryan, he's like, I think that, that you should keep going and I will pay for uh, rent the, the space like in, a li- in the library or something. I'll pay the rent for six months. So I'm thinking, well, Every time I ha- think I, I have an out here, somebody steps up to, to make it where I have to stay. So Dave pays the rent on this building, actually Crooked River Elementary. And we meet in the library at Crooked River Elementary. Thursday nights, and many of you have been in the library there. It's kind of this weird setup, and we'd have to move bookshelves and and so I'm thinking, okay, we'll do this for like a few months. Nobody's going to show up, and then I'm going to quit. So this will be great, right? So we run a little ad in the roundup. And actually, the first week, like, people showed up. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. And I had some friends come out and lead worship. And I remember one night, uh, they, the friend didn't show up, so Andrea and I led worship, which is really crazy. I can't believe I did that. We sang hymns, her and I together. So that, again, I'm glad that's nowhere to be found. It's not recorded. Um, but continued to go through Revelation and and some people started showing up. Actually, uh, Zane and Debbie started coming at that time. Uh, Thursday nights, they were invited by Dave and Leslie Davies, um, who he was the basketball coach uh, at that time at Crook County High School. And we had a bunch of teachers and sort of um, people just all of a sudden, like we had this little church happening. And it kind of, it hit me that none of the people that were coming had a church. They, they weren't involved anywhere. And so somebody said, hey, why don't we start meeting on Sundays? And it's like, okay, you know, actually that would probably be a good idea. So May of 2002, we're right at the 10 years. 
we started meeting on Sunday mornings at Ochico Elementary in their library. And little did I know they didn't have full-size chairs in, in the <laughs> library. They only had the like chairs for kids, right? Well, we had some big dude, like Ernie Brooks was coming back then. Ernie Brooks, I remember like both of his cheeks were hanging off <laughs> the sides of the chairs. And I remember he came up one Sunday afterward and he's like, man, is there any way we could get some bigger chairs in here? I'm just like, I don't know where they're at. You know, there's nothing in this school. So we met there for six months and continued to grow. Um, and about, that was about the time that some couples like Kevin and Erica Vaughn started coming in. And, and some of the folks that have, had been here for a long time, like the Joneses and, and other people like that started being added uh, to the church. About that time that we, we um, carry box, actually, you guys were coming then. And I remember praying for Kenny that he would, I don't think you were a Christian, right? So I remember praying that he would come to church, that he would get saved, and that he would pull his head out of his butt and look look what the Lord's done in their family. So, um, so that was that was I very distinctly uh, remember that. And so we met at uh, Ochoa Elementary about six months, kind of started outgrowing that little space. Um, we had a, at that time, we had a guy leading worship and he had a heart attack. Um, it was just sort of this, he was an older guy. And, and I, I, what's funny about that is somebody, somebody came and he was leading worship. And afterward they said to me, man, that guy looks like he's, <laughs> he's going to have a heart attack. And it was like a week later, he has a heart attack and he can't lead worship anymore. So anyway, um, he's still alive, by the way. So he lives in California now. But he used to say the strangest things. So I, the very first time, so back up a little bit. Very first Sunday morning we ever have, I'm a young guy, uh, and I, I said, hey, Troy, do you want to, like, kick off uh, with prayer, or, you know, do you think I should just sort of say something? He's like, no, I got this. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off with prayer, and we'll, we'll go right into it. I'm like, okay. Well, he doesn't kick it off with prayer. He kicks it off with, like, a 10-minute sort of intro, and, and, you know, I'm thinking, I barely know you, and this is our, ver our first time meeting as a church, and you're saying really bizarre stuff right now. So it was just, it, that was sort of how we launched the church, with Troy talking nonsense. Um, so after about six months at Ochico, we moved to Crook County Middle School. Um, the principal there uh, was starting to come to the church, and he invited us uh, there. So we met there actually for about two years at Crook County Middle School in this gigantic room that hadn't been updated in a hundred years. Uh, the sound just sort of reverberated off of the walls 
and routinely they would forget to turn the heat on. So it was like this, uh, they had a boiler room, they have a boiler room over there. And the agreement was the janitor would come in, he would turn on the boiler, and then we would be able to adjust the thermostat when we got there on Sunday mornings. Well, I remember one Sunday morning, um, you know, we're probably like 50 adults, right, about at that time. One Sunday morning that we can't turn the heat on, it's like 20 degrees outside, it's probably 40 in the building. You can see your breath, right? We have, we can't, I can't get a hold of anybody, nobody to come turn the heat on. Like eight people show up. We're in this gigantic room and we have this, um, this guy leading worship at that time, uh, helping a little bit. It was just so happened to be his week. And he decides to do like cowboy music. So we got dude doing cowboy music. He kicks it off singing happy birthday to his uh, granddaughter in the front. There's like eight of us, right? We can see our breath. And it was the worst church service I've ever been a part of. Um, And I was like, I'm thinking nobody is ever coming back to this church. Like those eight people, they're going to go tell the other 42 people to run for their lives and it's over, right? People did come back. Uh, But that happened routinely where the heat wouldn't be on, just that that space uh, at at oftentimes was a a great source of consternation for me. we, we had it really decked out cool, though, with those fake plants. You got, some of you guys remember that? Fake plants, and we got them, like, at the thrift store, so there was, like, branches busted off of them and uh, had, like, the worst sound system ever. But some of you guys kept coming. And then we had the opportunity to move into that little storefront building over on, um, what's the name of it? Claypool, Yes. Had the opportunity to move in there, and we did a little remodel, and really it was there that we started to get some feet under us in terms of some growth, and and really starting to see some cool um, things happen in the city, and, and some cool ministry beginning to happen as we had a more of a presence uh, in in the town. And I think for those first couple of years, like people didn't really trust us. It was like we were the we were the newest church plant in Prineville in like 10 years or more. And so we were like the, you know, number one, I'm young, right? It's like, who is this guy? And what's he want to do? And he's really not from here. And, and so it was kind of like we had this reputation that was a little sketchy. And nobody knew where we were at. And we were moving all the time. And, and so we had a little bit of a presence, and we started seeing more like visitors showing up and, and the building started to be full and we went to two services. And it was around that time that we started to do some of the, the, the city uh, ministries um, that, that were really cool and that the Lord used for a season uh, here. One of which was uh, Quest Outdoors. You guys remember that? Um, Sean Jones and I, we're uh, driving up to the Antone and, and we were talking and, and um, we, 
we were like, wouldn't it be cool to do something that would be like sort of a, one of these game banquets, but have it be, you know, something that um, points people to Jesus. And so we started Quest Outdoors. And the first year we did it, we had, uh, we were thinking maybe we'd get like a hundred people to show up to this thing, right? We're this small church plant. We have no money. And we're like, how are we going to pay for it? Um, And actually the Lord just totally blessed this thing. And we had donations coming in and people got really excited about it. And the thing actually made money. It was like ridiculous. Um, and, And it also allowed us to connect with a ton of people uh, in the city in a really, really cool way. And so that was also the first time uh, that Kevin Vaughn and I started, we, we worked together on, a, on something because Sean and I were pretty close and Kevin and Erica were coming, but they were sort of on the periphery and Kevin like hunted 364 days a year. Am I exaggerating, Erica? Not really, right? And Erica wouldn't come if Kevin didn't come. So for like four months out of the year, neither one of them were there. And, and so, so Sean says, Hey, you know, I think we should, we should invite Kevin to be on this, this team to plan quest outdoors. And I was like, well, I barely know Kevin and he's hardly ever at church. And he's like, I, come on, I think we should do it. He's a great guy. I've known him my whole life. I go, okay. So we invite him on. I wanted to kill Kevin. The, we started meeting and he is like coming at me with sort of dev, the devil's advocate on everything, right? And I, was, I told Sean, I was like, I can't handle this guy. This is not gonna work, right? I was like, there is no way in the world this is gonna work. And so uh, I'll, I'll get back to that. So... Um, so we did Quest Outdoors, went amazingly well. Um, we did Sunfest uh, around that time. We started doing that. And that, again, the first few years of Sunfest were amazing. I uh, sort of had this vision to do this like outdoor concert and do games and all that kind of stuff in the middle of town. And again, I thought maybe we'll get 100 people to show up the first few years of Sunfest, like it felt like the whole city was there. It was really, really cool. Um, it, not every year was that way, but some of those first few years, it just went really well. Um, it was also around that time that we had the opportunity to take over the Oasis. And I, again, we were this small church. We might've been in about three, four years at that time. And uh, the couple from First Baptist that was running the Oasis, they were just getting really tired and they were like, hey, um, nobody else wants to do this. Would you guys be interested? Because we were actually serving at the Oasis quite a bit. And they were like, would you be interested? So I brought it to the guys and I'm just thinking, there is no way that we're gonna be able to oversee this daily soup kitchen. Like, what are we getting ourselves into? This is insane. And we took it on and actually Brandy Avery uh, came on staff to run it. 
uh, initially, and the Lord has just blessed it. Of course, Rich ended up taking over, and and Rich is um, doing a, a great job from what I can see and what I hear, and that ministry has just continued to to go and to thrive. Um, another thing we started uh, out of the Oasis was Crook County Connect, and, and Rich has continued that on, and that's been another thing that the Lord has really used uh, in in Prineville um, for for his glory. So those were kind of the the middle years where the Lord really started gelling this church around a, a desire to really reach the city and and to really uh, not just be like inwardly focused but to to be on mission together as a family um, and it was a a lot of fun because there was no good reason why this little church should be able to do these things that we were doing. And something that the Lord kind of put on my heart and has always had on my heart as a church planner is like, I don't need a thousand people. I, I don't need 500 people. I don't need 250 people. I can do my work through very, very few people. And, and maybe it feels small and maybe it feels insignificant, but I wanna do a great work. And I just need you to get out of the way and, and, and not ho- sort of hold back what I wanna do because you don't think that the church is ready or, cause that was sort of the way I was trained too and raised a little bit was like, the church has to get to a certain point. Church has to be ready. And we kind of just threw that out the door. Like we kept doing things that we weren't ready for and that we weren't really uh, in, in any way, shape or form equipped to do. And the Lord kept blessing those things. And it was really uh, a, a fun time. And, and also uh, during that time, we really started to, uh, to see, I think the church begin to gel as a family and, and some of these men that had now been with us for three, four years, like I was sort of doing, and this was like to my fault, one of the weaknesses I think was that I, did, I wasn't intentional enough early on to raise up leaders. Um, and it's something I've tried to do a little differently in the church plant in Colorado. And so for those first like four years, a lot of stuff kind of fell on me and I was kind of running everything and we had capable men, but again, it was like, well, they're not ready or we're, we're not ready for that. And I don't want to give over leadership quite yet. And it kind of came to a point where we were at a place where I needed help. And, and so I started getting some guys together and just said, hey, look, I want you to, to kind of pray about leading and, and helping and uh, and that really blossomed uh, into a, an amazing team that guys like Kevin and, and others um, ended up being on. And uh, to, to go back to, to Kevin, because of that initial time where we worked together with Quest Outdoors, like I... I held him back. I was like, there's no way I'm asking him to come on to be an elder because this guy will literally kill me. 
right? Like we will be, we'll go to blows every day and this is gonna be just fireworks. And, and again, I talked to Sean about it. I said, you know, man, Kevin's really growing. What do you think about Kevin, bringing Kevin on? I, I said, I'm really, really hesitant to do it. Uh, what do you think? He said, I think Kevin would do amazing. So bring, bring Kevin on and, and Kevin has just grown tremendously. And, and, and guys like Chad, uh, who, who came uh, to, to CCCC with a little experience and with some vision and desire. And, and, and so uh, Chad and I hadn't worked together a lot, but it was kind of like, hey, I need help. And we've got some youth and why don't you start doing youth? And just kind of gave that to him and seeing him just take on all that he's taking on and doing all that he's doing has been really cool. And also it was about that time uh, that we really started to see people coming to Christ and people really being challenged in their walk and, and really growing. And the church started to grow. Um, and that was about, um, it was about 2007, 2008 that we had the opportunity to move into here. And that um, again was like this ridiculous thing right? Uh, I don't remember how we even landed on this particular building, but somebody, you, you do, you remember what? There you go. I did not remember that, but that's cool. So we, we started looking into it, and again, there was like, it was like, there's no way we're going to be able to afford that, and it looks like bombs have gone off in that building repeatedly, right? This thing was trashed, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe we could paint it, and it, it would look decent, and it's bigger than what we're in now, because we were in that building over there on Claypool, and it was 3,000 square feet, the entire building over there. And we used every square inch of it. We had a little office for Julie Erickson to do the books. And it was a closet, literally. It was, a, it was like a broom closet. My office was like five feet by five feet. And the door swung out into this little stage that we had. And then you walk, you had to step down into the office, close the door behind you at, so that, you know, you'd just squeeze in and then shut the door like that because you couldn't get around the chair that I had in the office. So we're like, we got to get out of there. This building's bigger, and, but it needs a ton of work. And there's, we don't, there's no way we're going to be able to do that. It's too expensive. So we talked to the owner and he says, well, here, here's what I would be willing to do. I'd be willing to put up the money to do the remodeling um, because I think it, at that time, this was just before the economy kind of crashed. Like the timing of it was really good. Um, and he was sort of thinking big and thinking that this would be a really good opportunity. And just about the time that we finished this building, the economy crashed. And I don't think there's any way that he would have wanted to invest what he did had it been six months later. Um, but what was really cool 
is we had enough like to do the work, but we needed a ton of help. And Kevin oversaw the project and you guys, many of you guys just jumped in and, and I remember the first work day we had, it was like demolition because this whole back area was all office stuff and we just blew it up like in an afternoon and just took the, literally the street out here, some of you remember, was just like one big trash pile and just taking stuff to the dump. This had like old wallpaper and tile and weird stuff and stripped that all off. And I thought, you know, we, we'll make it look nice. It'll be inviting. No way in my wildest dreams would I have thought we would have accomplished what we did in this, this building here. And that was really sort of a, um, just, I think, kind of put the capstone uh, for me on, on my time here. It wasn't too long after that that uh, the Lord started stirring in me uh, to plant again. Now, looking back on it, like here, we just got the church like kind of in a, in a comfortable place and at a, at a place where we had some, some help and good leadership. Why in the world I, I thought that was a good time for me to leave? I have no idea because that's like for a church planner, like, man, now you can kind of cruise a little bit, you know, and I, we move over to Colorado and start all over again. And that is a lot of work, uh, let me tell you. So we, um, I, I started just sort of feeling stirred in my heart to, uh, to plant again. And didn't really talk to any of you about it because, for obvious reasons, because I, I didn't know, I wasn't sure what was, what was going on. And one night, uh, actually, Kevin and I were driving home, and it was one of these late-night conversations that Kevin and I have had many of. Um, and he, he says, uh, Ryan, have you ever thought about planting again, planting a church again? And I was like, oh, man, is he asking me this because he wants to know my commitment? Like, am I going to be here forever? Or is he asking me because he really wants to know? So... I'm like, well, I'm just going to be honest. So I said, yeah, actually, I have thought about it, thought about it quite a bit. And he said, well, I just want to affirm that. Like, I'm not trying to kick you out of here, um, but I just want to affirm that, that I think the Lord's really called you to do that. So I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, and so that sort of sent uh, me on about a year long just sort of praying through and thinking about uh, where we would ultimately go. And, and of course, we ended up in, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and, and it's been a, a, a journey, uh, to, to say the least. And I was thinking about it the other day, just how, like, because how I'm really sort of in a place where I'm just tired, right? I've been church planning for a really long time, and I realized that I've been doing this for like 14 years, helping plant churches and doing the setup and the teardown and all of that work. And it's just a tremendous amount of, of effort. And yet it's worth it um, to, to see stuff like this and to see the lives that are being changed and to see what's happening in Colorado and to see the, the, the people who love each other and, and love their city and want to see Jesus do a great work. And 
two years ago, there was nothing um, that, that didn't exist, and now it does. Um, and so I would encourage you guys in whatever God's calling you to do. Like, it, it's probably not going to be planting a church. Maybe for some of you it is, but most of you, that won't be your thing. But maybe there's some ministry that God wants you to start or some ministry he wants you to take over or some person he wants you to disciple. And maybe you're frightened or you don't want the commitment. Uh, you don't want to have to put out the effort and the sacrifice that's involved. And man, I just encourage you, um, as I tell my story tonight, to think about not just, man, that's really cool and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that, but how do you fit into that? Not just historically, but in, in, in the present and into the future, what is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to plant? Maybe he wants you to plant uh, the gospel into your neighbor's life. Or, or maybe he wants you to plant some uh, thing that doesn't exist, Right? And, and you, you, you're thinking, man, we really need to do this, this, or this city really needs this. And, and you've been waiting for somebody else to do it. And I would just challenge you that maybe God is calling you to do it and to take the risks and to be willing to make the sacrifice because it's worth it. It, it will cost you. It always does, but it's worth it. And so that's my, that's my encouragement to you guys as you think about 10 years and as the church continues to go forward, very different than it looked 10 years ago, right? And, and some of the things that we did don't do anymore. The, the Lord used them for a season and and. Not, not really what he's doing now. And that's cool and that's great. What is God wanting to do in you? What is he wanting to do as the church moves forward? And so, yes, 10 years, it's, it's amazing. And, and the thing is, you guys, as much as I've kind of told my story, it's really about Jesus. Like this is his church. And I think as, as I moved on and transitioned on, um, many of you kind of got slapped in the face with that reality, right? Because you had to come to grips with the fact that this wasn't about Ryan or, or any person. This is Jesus's church. And as the church continues to go forward, you're going to be slapped with that reality again. Or as maybe you transition from a ministry you're involved with to something else. Man, don't hang on too tight to stuff. This isn't yours, right? None, none of this is yours. Don't get, don't get attached to anything. Even this beautiful building that so much effort and so much work has gone into. Don't get attached to this. Don't... don't don't grow um, sort of accustomed to the way that things are and they always have to be that way. 
They don't always have to be that way. The Lord's gonna change things and grow things and expand and he's gonna bring new people in and some people are gonna move away and move on and, and that's just life and it's just the sort of ebb and flow of the church. And that's a good thing and that's okay. So my encouragement to you is, what's the Lord calling you to plant? And as you think about 10 years, and maybe you won't think about it beyond tonight, and that's totally cool. But as you think about 10 years, don't be too enamored with the past. It's the past, it's history. It it was great, it was awesome. There's much to be celebrated, but there's much to look forward to. It has nothing to do with any man. It has everything to do with Jesus. So maybe I can just pray for us. I don't know uh, if you got anything else, but um, let's, let's close in prayer. You guys want to stand together? Lord, thank you for the opportunity uh, to come and just to tell the story. Um, I don't, I hope it was helpful. I hope it was beneficial. And, and Lord, I pray that it was glorifying to you because this church is, it's, it's always been and always will be, Lord, about you. This is your church. Jesus, this building one day is gonna fall apart. It needs up keep. It it needs maintenance. It's just it's just four walls and some wood and drywall. Jesus, this church is about people. It's about the people you've brought together and that you've made into a family. The, The most powerful metaphor of the church is the family. And Jesus, you're our our elder brother and, and you're so generous to us and you love us unlike any brother we've ever had. And Father, you are so gracious and so kind and so patient with us much better than any father we've, any of us have, even, even those of us that had good fathers. Heavenly Father, you continually show us what it means to be a father to us and to, to be a father to this family, the church. Jesus, you're the head of the church. We're just your body. And I pray for each person here as they reminisce and as they celebrate the great history of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. And I'm just amazed that it's been 10 years as I think back to the Bible studies and I think back to to all the work and all the setup and all that has gone into what is here today. All the people. God, I'm just amazed. And I pray that as this church moves forward, that the 
that each person here would, would consider their part in the body. As they think about all the years that they would hear from you, Holy Spirit, as to how you want to use them to continue the work. Lord, many people have contributed to make this what it is today. And, and Lord, it's going to take many others to carry this on so that 10 years from now, we can look back with, with an even greater story as, as to what you've done and what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would speak to each person here as to how you want to use them. I pray the gospel would root out selfishness and, and, and root out uh, just lack of ambition. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for Calvary Chapel, Crook County. Thank you for the leaders that you have in place. Thank you for Kevin and, and Chad and Rory. I pray that you'd give them wisdom as they lead this church. I thank you for, for the other men that are stepping up and, and, and all of the deacons and all of the servants, Lord, who, who do so much to make this church go. And I'm just so thankful to have been a part of it, to have been the, the man you used to, to get this thing off the ground. And Lord, that's humbling and, and it's exciting to, to see how you can use a, an average guy like me to do extraordinary things. And, and Lord, in this room, we have a bunch of, a bunch of people with whom you want to use. It's not about Ryan or Rory or Kevin or Chad. It's, this isn't a spectator event. Jesus, this is your church. And it takes all of us. And so carry it forward for your glory and your fame. In Jesus' name, amen.